You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here at uh, Reality Honolulu for our Digital House Church Gathering. Um, as you know, or I hope you know, we are in this house church season, and hopefully you're partaking in that, and hopefully uh, you're watching with others right now, able to gather and to pray together and to worship alongside each other and to take communion and, and um, engage in studying the Word of God together. And uh, hopefully you are. I want to encourage you with some maybe helpful ideas if you need some. Um, there's so many cool stories of how you guys are meeting right now all over Oahu, whether that's inviting neighbors, inviting unsaved friends, or just thinking about who you miss from our reality family that you missed from seeing. And it's been several months, and I wonder how they're doing. You're inviting these type of people over to your home, and even you're switching it up. It's not the same every week. You're, you're making the most of it. And uh, I want to let you know that that's the type of stuff that's going on in our church right now, and I'm really encouraged by that, that you are, and I want to just encourage you to, to do that as you feel safe and as you feel comfortable, that you would either reach out or invite others over to do church together. And I, I want to um, kind of encourage you to do this and to make the most of it because we do feel like the Lord has us here and it's right and good for this season. And it's not only because we can't get back into Oliolani yet or don't have a building, um, but we really do believe this is where the Holy Spirit is leading us for this season as a way of interim until we go back. Um, not just because we don't have the means, but that the Lord wants to meet us in these small groups for his glory. Um, that said, I don't have any concrete updates uh, on a large gathering space. I wish I did. I wish I did last week and the week before. Um, and, you know, we have been looking around and calling and kind of kind of thinking through and praying through our options. Uh, nothing has really opened up. And to be honest, ideally, for so many reasons, Oleolani, uh, our school we normally meet at, is where we want to get back to. I know that the feeling, the feeling is super mutual when it comes to that. Um, and I want to let you know that there are faint whispers. Again, these, these are unsubstantiated, but I just want to share what possibly might happen. Uh, what we're kind of hearing a little bit is that when school goes back, um, this potentially being in August in some shape or form for DOE, um, we may have leeway to meet there, which the calendar right is speeding up and it's kind of almost August, right? It's almost July, and then it'll almost be August. So uh, again, I'm not sure if that's a for sure thing, but you can pray that that would happen. We would love to get back in Aliolani in August. Uh, that's kind of what we're at least planning for. If we hear that that is not, um, we should know maybe in the next few weeks, probably, uh, we will kind of definitely kind of change course. But at the meantime, I want us to settle in to this house church season. Um, for a little bit here, and hopefully, prayerfully, soon we will all be back together safely, but uh, you, can, you can pray for that and join with us in praying for that. 
Um, but church, thank you for your patience and your resilience and your grace and your understanding as we are in this unprecedented season um, that's changed so much in how we do church. Um, thank you kind of for holding on and sticking as, uh, together as a family as we do all this. And I just want to let you know that, uh, that we are still a family. We, all, we are still the church regardless of how we're meeting. And um, again, we want to be there for you. So if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. Please plug into our Tuesday night prayer meetings every Tuesday night. Love to see your faces. Uh, Ohana groups. Um, connect, just call people and connect with them. I want to encourage you to do that from our church. Um, but that said, as always, let's go ahead and jump into the word of God today and allow the Lord to speak to us. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, hopefully you have one laying around or you can open your phone to your Bible app. We are going to pick up where we left off last week, and that's Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And as always, I'll be reading out of the NIV translation. And for context's sake, we're going to read verses 4 through 8 of chapter 8. And so here it is. Acts 8, 4 through 8 says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Okay, so as, as you remember, the church, the early church here, that we've seen this beautiful window into, ha, is encountering incredible persecution. And no longer are they just all together safely in Jerusalem, but persecution has actually scattered them outside of Jerusalem. Even here today, we see in Samaria. And the church now is scattered. They've been pushed out. And the response that we saw last week and that we studied last week is that they responded by the power of the Holy Spirit by continuing to carry on the mission of being witnesses of Jesus wherever they went. And that is, again, what we see here. We see a window into the church here with Philip doing that very thing, right? The church is scattered, but they preach the word wherever they went. And then we see Philip here specifically in a certain city in Samaria and, and kind of the situation that unfolds. And there's, if you're taking notes, there's four things that I would like to hone in on today. Number one is that God desires heaven to come to earth. Number two, God cares about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. Number three, that God wants to meet us in our pain. And number four, joy comes with the kingdom of and the presence of God. I'm going to kind of make my way through those points. So if you didn't catch them, uh, I'm going to kind of carry us through the text. And those are some of the points, though, that I want us to kind of grab a hold to. So number one is that God desires heaven to come to earth. And if you've been with us, we've been talking about this a lot lately. Because in Acts, what we've been seeing is a powerful manifestation, right? Through the early church, 
which they're continuing to be used by God to usher in God's kingdom. And if you remember back in the Gospels, right, the, the ushering in of the kingdom of God started with Jesus. Again, this could be a whole series in itself, but over and over we see this theme and concept of the kingdom with Jesus, right? The kingdom had come or the kingdom of God was at hand over and over. Jesus and others are speaking about this concept of the kingdom of God coming. The kingdom of God is here and it started with the person of Jesus, right? This concept was ushered in and inaugurated by the son of God as we see in the gospel accounts. And what happens is the kingdom of God finally breaks in. It, 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 it breaks into a hurting world with the Messiah, the Savior, with God himself. He steps down into earth and we start to see that things are being set right and, and sin is being forgiven and, and the power of sin is being broken. And we see like the kingdom of God breaking into a fallen world. And a huge part, right, of when we think of the kingdom of God coming, when Jesus came, a huge part of that is personal salvation, right, and redemption through the cross, um, it, it's, it's, you know, when we think of the typical gospel message, that's what we think of as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the gospel, is personal salvation, but heaven coming to earth or the kingdom of God coming isn't limited to just that. It's, it's a much fuller and robust idea. Uh, you see, the kingdom of God coming to earth what it, what it really communicates is that it's, it's God's rule and it's God's reign coming. And, and God's intended design for all creation is actually being renewed and restored and redeemed. Like, yes, it's about that one person being saved, but there's so much more to it. It's this more robust idea of God's rule and reign and actually God's design and plan being renewed and restored and uh, redeemed. Or in other words, God, right? His presence and his plans are, are actually being seen. And, the, and, and things that were once supposed to be are now getting put back in place again. This is such a heavenly concept, you know, restoring God's original design that we see so beautiful in, uh, you know, the first few pages of the book of Genesis. But also we see that this kingdom of God is actually pointing to what will perfectly be in heaven, all while doing it in a fallen and broken world. So the kingdom of God coming to, to a broken world is not only restoring what used to be or what was meant to be in God's design for all creation, but actually it also points forward to a heavenly reality of how things will be one day. It's been said that the kingdom coming to earth, but into a fallen earth, lies a great tension, 
right? People describe it as a here, but not yet, right? It's come and is coming, but it won't be completed until there's a new heaven and a new earth. You see, we believe that God is in the process. We're in the process of seeing heaven coming, seeing the kingdom coming. Uh, people describe it as, as a here, but not yet fully, or a here, but not yet. Right? It's come, it's coming, but it won't yet be completed uh, until there's a new heaven and a new earth. Hopefully that makes sense. I know it can be a little confusing because it's a grand and heavenly idea. But once again, we believe that God is in the process of doing it. He started it in the person of Jesus. He asked us to pray for it. If you remember a few weeks ago, maybe last week even, we looked at the Beatitudes. We looked at Jesus saying, this is how you should pray. Pray in this way. And it was let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what, what also, not only does God invite us to pray, but he actually invites us to, to be used to see the kingdom come, right? He empowers and he equips and he uses us to see the kingdom of heaven come on earth. Like he invites us into it with him. Like we are the ones by which the kingdom of heaven comes by the power of the spirit. Like it's radical and it's humbling. It's awesome. And we have a unique calling as followers of Jesus to actually bring the kingdom of God to people. We have the humbling and the joyous responsibility to show God's attributes and his heart to all of creation. Again, a big part of this is personal salvation, right? That we would tell others about Jesus, that they might be saved, but the kingdom of God is not limited to that. The kingdom of God coming is, is, is this powerful move of God's rule and reign and his character and his heart and all that he is invading earth. And we see this in a glimpse of this in chapter 8 of Acts. We see that there's a really good balance of, of the preaching of the word of God, but also just the living out of the character and the heart of God to people. And that's where uh, I come to my second point. So my first point, right, was that God desires heaven to come to earth, to break into this fallen world and to set everything right. But number two is that God cares about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. We see that here in eight. We see that throughout scripture. But what I'm reminded of was actually a, a sermon uh, that I heard. And it was from John Piper, and uh, it, this was the idea in it, that God cares about all suffering, especially eternal suffering, and it really stuck with me, and he began to unpack it. And his point was that as followers of Jesus, part of seeing God's kingdom come and making heaven a reality is that suffering would end. 
right? That is God's design and his vision and hope that we look forward to is that there is no pain and no tears and no disease and no death in heaven. Like that is the heavenly reality we look to and hope for. As followers of Jesus, part of God's kingdom coming is making uh, heaven and making heaven reality is that suffering would end. And that and, and Piper's point for Christians is to remember that God cares about all suffering and especially eternal suffering. And so the distinction being is that God cares deeply and most importantly about withness and oneness with him, right, that we're forgiven and we spend eternity with him, free from suffering apart from him, right? That is of extreme importance. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't care about humanity's present pain now. And why he made this distinction was in an attempt to help those of us that are Christians to help us love others well in our service to them. And this is why. He brought up, and I agree with, that Christians have this tendency to only view helping people if there is an opportunity to share the gospel or make sure they know why I'm doing it, right? There's this tendency that when we see someone suffering or a problem in the world or, or a, a social issue, well, I'm only going to help and get involved if I have an opportunity to share the gospel or if they know that I'm a Christian and why I'm doing that. Um, Of course, that would be ideal. But we get into a warped version of loving others if we think that it has to be this way. Are you with me? You see, we aren't called to love or care for people with strings attached like any strings. Nowhere does it say uh, in the Bible, I will love people if. I will love people only when. There's no, there's no clause. There's no if then. God's love, the love that he, desi- the love that he gives us and the love that we're supposed to give to everyone is unconditional perfect example of this is God himself, right? Loving and dying for the whole world, regardless of the outcome, regardless if everyone understood or knew what was happening. Like while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, not to get anything out of it or not, well, I will love you if you do this. I will only do this for you if the setting is right, right? In the life of Jesus, His life was coupled with sharing good news and also radically seeing God's kingdom come. And we see this um, over and over and over again in the Gospels. Jesus heals. He provides food. He has dinner with people as a way of love. He touches the untouchable. He goes out of his way to make people known and cared for. Again, his motivation wasn't always clearly stated. He just loved everybody. 
with a pure, undefiled love. He like genuinely cared for everyone. You could say that his empathy for other people was off the charts. His humanization to every situation was masterful. He would cut through every social construct. He would cut through uh, every barrier. He would do it on days of the week that people told him he wasn't supposed to. He would go outside of uh, traditionally where, where, where Jews would hang out. He would go into Samaria, to the Samaritans. He, he went out of his way. He broke every cultural and religious and social norm to love people. Church. Church. I'm pausing because I hope you hear it in your home and you, you get this. If there is any time in our lifetime that we need to learn Christ's unconditional empathy, love, and care for others with no buts and no what if, it's right now. It's during this COVID season. It's during this racial tension and unrest in our country and in the world. If there is ever a time where we love unconditionally, not the, not the what ifs. If we're doing that right now, we've already missed the point. I will, I care about them if, nope, you missed the point. I'll love them, but that's complicated. No, no, but, no, but, no if. Regardless of what it means, we're supposed to love others more than ourselves this season. That's it. Well, Riz, it's, it's not that easy, but it is. No, 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 you don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> Guys, as your pastor, as a church, as just a voice right now, if there's anything as followers of Jesus that I would hope that we would learn, have empathy, have compassion, see people the way Jesus saw people. I beg this of you. <laughs> there's too much unrest, there's too much difficulty in the church right now. We need to see people the way Jesus saw people. His empathy was off the charts. I, I pray that it would be so for us as well. In Jesus, the idea of caring about all suffering, especially eternal suffering, is played out perfectly. He's our model example of it. But again, it doesn't stop there. We see in the book of Acts, this also played out in the early church. They model this. They emulate Jesus. They participated in seeing God's kingdom come. They went out of their way to love people unconditionally. Right? We see they started food programs. They healed the sick. They brought freedom from demonic oppression. We see that today. They cast out demons. Sometimes it was coupled with an explanation. Well, the reason why I'm doing this or the power in which I'm doing it is Jesus or whatever they say. But not always. It doesn't always, like love and care and empathy isn't always coupled with them being able to explain the gospel. Sometimes, but not all the time. Again, even though their motivation was always from Christ's love, they didn't pick and choose who they loved or healed or cared for. They were moved to meet people in their suffering and in their pain. 
what marked them and what Jesus said would mark all of his followers was the way in which we treated and loved others. Our love for others would be a direct reflection of our relationship with Christ. We can't escape that. John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus speaking to his disciples, speaking to his followers, the church. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Later on in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12, this concept is expanded. It says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his son, and, uh, his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. It is clear in the New Testament that a primary way that we show people Christ is meeting them in their suffering, which brings me to my next point. Hopefully you're still with me. Point three, God wants to meet us in our pain. God cares about our entire well-being, all of creation's well-being, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, past, present, and future. God cares about us. He cares about our present pain, and he cares about past trauma. And even though God forgives our past sin right, and sin that's been done to us, and God can ultimately fix everything broken here on earth, even though that's all true, there are things in our past and in this world, whether it be sin or evil, that we've done or that have been done to us that have really messed with us. And we may be forgiven, but we are still dealing with the consequences of sin and evil in the world on a personal level and on a societal level. And God desires to meet us in the pain. This is where God does some of his greatest work in the rawness, in the emotions, in the vulnerability. That's why there is so much power was something like repentance. Uh, like this biblical concept of having the humility to admit wrongs and turn from it, uh, turn from our wrongs and to God. The reason why uh, that concept of repentance is so powerful is because there's vulnerability and there's humility on a deep level. And the Bible says that when we're vulnerable and humble and honest and raw and real, 
That's when healing and refreshment comes. But again, we would be amiss if we think that, that God was a God that only cares about surfacey things. See, God cares about the deep recesses of our heart. The places we don't want to think about and we don't want to go because it's too painful. God cares about those places. God wants to sit with us and grieve with us and listen to us and feel with us in what we're going through so that in order to, so that he can bring healing, restoration, renewal, and redemption to the deepest parts of our life. And in Acts, we see this play out with spiritual darkness and physical disabilities and illnesses. God brought healing and freedom holistically to people. And the key, which I think can be easily passed over there, is that those people that were hurting, specifically in the city, the city in Samaria with Philip, those people that were hurting, their pain was being noticed and tended to and given attention to to bring about the kingdom in their lives. Like they weren't just looked over by the disciples, like that's who they actually grabbed, those that were suffering so that they, they could experience God. See, God met people in their pain and in their hurting. And that truth stands today as well. It goes for us also. And what, what I mean by that is that God cares for us personally as individuals, every one of us. He cares about uh, past trauma that we might have had. He cares about our upbringing. He cares about the details of our life. To this, pain, this, to this point, all the painful times, he cares about it. And he desires to meet us in those dark, hurtful places to bring his kingdom, right? To bring healing and wholeness and health. And for us as a church, that's why We've said it over and over, and we will continue to, to really believe and highly encourage in, in, in counseling, um, to go to the deep places of the past to get healing so that instead of just glossing over, that we can be properly healed and set free and, and properly walk and allow maybe the destruction and the consequences of sin to be done away with as we continue to live like Jesus in the world and in relationships around us. Jesus cares also about our marriages, right? Those of us that are married or will be married, um, he cares about the issues we have with our spouse. He cares about how we've hurt each other. He cares if we're not doing well. And he wants to meet us in our marriages in those really difficult places to bring the kingdom of God into them. God desires us to talk about that stuff and go there. See, marriages get bad and, and end when you never deal with your problems and get healing from past hurts. That's why we also highly encourage like marriage counseling and so many of you guys are in it and we applaud that because we desire wholeness and health and we want God to meet us 
in those really hard places. If we expand out, that also goes for the world around us. Right? God wants to meet all people where they're at in their pain. Right? In past hurts and past trauma and how it's affecting everyone now. That's why in the current moment in our world, I believe that God cares about the past trauma and past hurts and how it's affecting people now. And he desires to meet people with the kingdom of God. And obviously, what, I'm, what is happening, what I'm talking about is what's happening right now. Uh, is the present pain of our brothers and sisters of color that comes from a long history of sin and evil done to them. And I want to camp out here for a second because I think it's really important and close to God's heart. See, what is happening right now is not just an isolated issue or a few people or a few instances. It is connected and a result of a continuation of things done from the past. That's why, as uncomfortable as it may be, it is of utmost importance that we as the church learn history and try to understand the trauma that has happened. And the hope is, is that that would produce an empathy and a love for our brothers and sisters in, uh, of color. Because church, I, I, I believe that we have a responsibility and a unique calling to actually bring the kingdom of God to people, especially those that are suffering. And I think our church and churches across our nation have a long way to grow in this. I know for us, what's happening now in the news isn't just prompting us to take a stance and to say all these things, but it's actually an opportunity to communicate what God's always cared about, and maybe illuminate once again a problem, a set of problems, a systematic uh, issues that have been happening. There's, it, it, there's a injustice, there's racism. Like for us, it's an opportunity to speak the word of God and the truth of God and meet people in their pain to empathize, to care, to love, and see God's kingdom come to those that are hurting. And if we are wanting God to move in our world, I believe that we need to lead in seeing God's kingdom come. And how we do that, how we lead that, is that we first need to have God meet us in our our own pain and, uh, and bring our own healing. And it starts with our own hearts, right? It starts with, as a, as a Christian, as a church, before we kind of, or, or, or in the midst of engaging, we need to be mindful of, of that God loves us, God cares about us, and he wants to do work in our own hearts. He wants to meet us where we're hurting in our pain. He wants to do that. But in turn, we, we must have empathy to meet people in their pain and be used to bring God's kingdom to them. 
I believe that we have that beautiful, wonderful responsibility to see the kingdom of God ushered in through our own life. And when we do these things, when we pray for God's kingdom to come, and when we're used to see God's kingdom come, the result is actually what we want, what we all want. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8 here. It says, after all this happens, there was great joy in that city. So, so look at verse 8. My fourth point, my last point, is joy comes with the kingdom and presence of God. So, so right, as the word is proclaimed here by Philip, Remember, Philip's one of the seven last chapter that, that uh, was appointed to help with the food program when there was unequal treatment of, of the Jews at the time. They were, they, they were prayed over. Philip was one of the seven alongside Stephen. He's preaching the gospel here. God is using him to perform these miraculous things. Demons are getting cast out. People are getting healed. The kingdom of God is being seen and word and deed. And one of the results across the whole city that our author Luke makes sure to include is that there was great joy in that city. Sorry, I'm getting hot, sweaty. But if you know me, that's what I do. But here we go. Sorry, awkward, whatever. Uh, again, there's great joy in the city. And it wasn't only because people were being saved. It actually doesn't even say that. I'm sure that was happening, but it doesn't say that. There was joy in this city because the kingdom was coming. Heaven was coming to earth. And there's no hidden meaning here. Like people were sad and downcast and hurting and not free. And now they were, right? They were free from evil spirits. They were free from sickness. And to be honest, things were being restored back to God's design and, and pointing to what heaven would be like. And it produced great joy. And again, a part of God's design is that humanity would be joyful. That's a part of God. God wants us to be joyful. I don't know if you know that. God wants us to be joyful, not just momentarily happy, but, but pure joy, immovable joy. And the reason that the kingdom ushers in joy is because it ushers in the king. That's God, right? And scripture would tell us that God's presence brings joy, right? In Psalm 16, King David says this, Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. And the truth is that when we become proximate with God, we experience joy. That is also true of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, right? That dwells in each of us. And as Galatians tells us, a fruit or a result of the Spirit in us is joy, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Like a part of the fruit and the, the result of the Spirit in us is joy. Maybe one of the only things that I think that the church, capital C, might agree on right now is that we want joy. 
We want God's joy to abound in the world. And the way in which that comes about is through the kingdom of God coming. Again, the kingdom of God ushers in the presence of God. And Jesus told us to pray for it. So we need to do that, church. He said, pray in this way. And we need to take that to heart and pray for the kingdom of God to come. But unless we've missed it, the main vehicle that God uses to usher in the kingdom and the king to a hurting and broken world is his spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people. Church. It's the church. The church is the main delivery system of God's love and his mercy and his grace and his justice and his peace and healing and joy to the world. Church, for such a time as this, I want us to look beyond and cut through everything that isn't just the purity of the kingdom of God coming to earth. I pray that we would continue to be kingdom people. Not Americans, not party people. That we wouldn't align ourselves with just that primarily and that that would lead us that the kingdom of God, the purposes of God, the heart of God would be the thing that leads us to carry out the mission of God into the world. Church, as we enter into this time of worship, I want us to just take a moment, if we can, I know we got kids and and people, but take a moment to pause and to reflect and just to come before God and ask that, God, I want to be more like you. God, I want to love the way you loved. I want to have your compassion and your empathy to love others with no strings attached. God, meet me in my innermost being and allow me to meet others in their darkest time. Church, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to do this. Let's, allow, let's, let's praise God now in our homes. I uh, encourage you to take communion, remembering the cross, remembering what God did for us. So if you have elements, you can kind of take communion anytime through these next few songs and uh, stick around for a few words after. But church, we love you. And I'm thankful to do this with you, to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. God, thank you. Thank you that you are God and you are in control, that you are the king of the world. And as your people, as kingdom people, we want to see your kingdom ushered in. And God, we know this is a really difficult time to navigate um, being a Christian, being American a Christian, having certain political views, and we all have different ones. Help us to process this. Help us to walk in humility and love and care. Help us to be grounded in your word and empowered by your spirit. 
We love you, God. We ask that you'd be praised in our homes right now, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up and that the kingdom of God would break in and break through this fallen world. We do pray for your justice and your peace to prevail. God, we do pray for your love and grace to abound. And we pray that your church would be empowered to be your vessels to love others well. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.